everyone. Ian and Sam here. Now that we're over 20 plus episodes in, we wanted to come and uh, revisit some of our older episodes. Now that we are getting a lot of people going through our backlog, we figured we would come give you a little PSA about these early episodes and their quality. Which is rough. So if you're coming and starting here as your do I like this listening point, just know that episodes one, two, three, and four there were some technical issues. We were doing one track. We were recording on Zoom. They were kind of hard to edit. And I discovered I am a yell talker and had to just adjust that in general. So once you get to episode five and on, we've really started to kick into having a much more professional quality sound. So enjoy these episodes. There's some great stuff in here. And keep listening because you're awesome and we love you. We hope you enjoy. Bye. Bye. Hey there, friends. No, <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs> no, you can do it because I sound like a creep. Hey there, friends. Keeping that as part of this. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to Do I Like This, the podcast. I'm Ian. And I'm Sam. And this is the podcast where I bring movies that I love to my wife, Sam. And I watch them and hope that I don't hate them. And so far, we're doing pretty well. I think I'm, I'm, I'm one and a half out of two. We're not counting that first one that we recorded and we'll never play. That's not involved. I'm giving yeah. Bloody Bill a half and The Hazing a one. So one and a half. Do we have any business? Oh, I've been listening to Ian's edits, which are great, except I say <laughs> like a lot. And I sniffle a lot, apparently. So that's a little bit disturbing to me, but it is what it is. It's definitely interesting, the things we learn about our voice when we start to hear it more frequently. Oh my God. I hate it. I hate listening to my own voice, but it's fine. One thing I've noticed during the editing, and I just want to put out there, uh, these are movies that I absolutely love in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, we're doing a podcast. We're talking about things. A lot of these movies are kind of goofy, B-movie. There are flaws in them. Listen, Um, can I just interject quickly? Sure. You said the goal is not to be too critical. Sort of, but some of the stuff is real bad and it needs someone to say that it's it's bad. Absolutely. Uh, and we absolutely will. So don't worry, we're not going to hold back. Uh, the point I do want to make, though, is for all the actors and actresses who are in these films, you're trying. We appreciate that you're trying. Uh, we're not trying to, you know, be mean-spirited. But if the performer, I'm not an actor, I couldn't do it. I would be an abject disaster. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the internet will probably tell me that plenty of times as people listen to the podcast when I mess this up, which I totally will. But I just want to put it out there that it's not that we have any m- malice in this. It's just our fan reviewing of the movies. So listen. Take it with a grain of salt. We're two <clears throat> random people on the internet. Half of my family are are theater people. So I can't really bag on actors too hard. That being said, I grew up around actors acting. So it's hard for me when they're real bad. You know, I, I actually like, I feel like, oh no, I want you to be better. Yeah. And I think the silliness of these movies allows us to feel a little bit more comfortable saying, wow, that's a terrible acting choice or whatever. So yeah, just like you said, we're not trying to be mean-spirited. We're just the overall comedic critique tends to be like, you know, uh, that's bad. So that's where we're coming from. So I just want to say before we get started, our house is so dry because I have it sealed up tight because I hate being cold. So 
I've been clearing my throat a lot. I'm trying not to do it into the microphone. Please forgive anything that Ian cannot edit out. <laughs> and I will do my best. So this week, we're doing Death Machine. Death Machine! 1995. I have to say, right out of the gate, you chose a movie with Brad Dourif again. <laughs> <I know. laughs> which is hysterical, and you didn't even realize it until we started watching it separately. I think I sent you a text as we were across the house after it, and I was like, oh shit, babe, Brad Dourif's in this one too. Are we and doing I'm, a Brad Dourif podcast? I What did I call it? A, double, a Brad Dourif double feature, which is fine because... Like I said last week, he is excellent. He is a fun character to watch, no Side matter note, what he's playing. Check out our spinoff, What's the Duriff, uh Brad Duriff Tribute Podcast. <laughs> no matter what character he's playing, he is a pleasure to watch. Um, so I have to say, it's funny because when I pulled it up, I instantly recognized the picture. It's a drawing of like a robot Freddy Krueger-like hand mm-hmm. coming out of water. And I was like, oh shit, I remember that from when I used to go to the video store all the time when I was a kid. And my mom would let me rent scary movies, but she didn't like the Freddy Krueger movies and stuff like that because she thought they were too scary or too much sex or whatever. Meanwhile, she did let me rent Last House on the Left, which I'm still scarred from to this day. I don't think she ever, I don't think she knew what the heck it was about. Mm -hmm. It was horrifying if anyone is, you know, if you don't know what it is, it's the worst. It's very rapey and murdery. That being said, I remember the picture on the front of the VHS to all you youngins, to all you youngins, that's, you know, the videotapes that we used to watch. And I always wanted to rent it, but I knew my mom wouldn't let me because it looked too much like a Freddy Krueger hand. Well, and literally the title is <laughs> Death Machine, which I think your mom... She, no, I, no, I think that that would have been okay. She had like a weird sort of like criteria that we could, you know, watch. Listen, I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons, but I could watch Dirty Dancing. So before we get further, uh, I'm going to read the brief summary. So Death Machine, 1994, the plot... Chank Armaments is experimenting with the ultimate fighting machine, which is part human, part machine. So far, the Hard Man Project has been unreliable and has killed a number of innocent people. The genius behind this project is Jack, who lives in a world of models, toys, and magazines. When he's fired by Kale for killing a few corporate officers, he unleashes the ultimate killing machine called War Beast against Kale and those who would help her. So, first of all, in that synopsis, where did you get that from? IMDb. Okay, I'm sure that was someone who watched it, like a regular old Joe like us who watched it and wrote that synopsis, and Mm -hmm. it wasn't put out there because some of that information is not clear in the movie. Like, (laughs) very true. Like the hard boys or whatever. I'm calling them hard boys. That's oh, hard man. I know, but I'm calling them hard boys, spelled B O I. Um, (laughs) So it starts off. You assume that that's like a huge piece of the puzzle, and it kind of is, but it's not. And you also don't get a whole lot of information about it. I mean, we can talk about it later because I know that there was multiple cuts of this movie. So I'm hoping that you and I watch the same cut. Did you stream it on Amazon Prime? I did. Okay, so then we watched the same cut. And what might be better is I pulled up some of the taglines for it. The future has teeth and man's deadliest weapon shows its metal are much more accurate than that actual plot synopsis. So this movie, to kind of sum it up from my point of view was quintessential 90s movie. Absolutely. To me, it wasn't so much horror. It wasn't scary at all. And there was not a ton of gore or blood. It's more like a sci-fi 
thriller, I guess. It reminded me a lot of, you got a little Hackers, you got a little mm-hmm. Blade Runner, you got a little Running Man. Mm-hmm. What's the other one? Oh, that that weird one that you and I watched with the robot that was coming after the lady in the apartment and the creepy dude was watching her from the other so apartment. So funny story, originally thought that was the movie I was sending you. <laughs> what is it called? Like Hardwire? Or hard, yes, I think hardware? it's called um, Hardwire hardware? or something hardware? like that. It's got it's great. Dylan, is it Dylan it's got McDermott? one of the McDermott's in it. Or Dermot Mulroney. Whichever I, I they, confuse them mm. all the time, and I don't know why, but it's one of those guys. Yeah, that absolutely would fit the criteria for the show. But you've it reminded seen it. me so much of this movie. It's just in a different setting. Yeah. Um. So I was getting all those vibes. It's it's got all of it. We'll we'll get into it. So should we just get into it? I think this movie is one we should just get into. This movie doesn't have as many jumps around like the last couple of movies. It doesn't have as many plot holes. I mean, obviously, there's plot holes in movies like this, but um, it doesn't linear, have... More linear story. Right. And it was a lot easier to follow. It was just certain things were thrown in there that weren't really fully explained. Mm-hmm. And then we also, this is one of those movies where we got some of the names of the main characters, but then a couple of the names of the main characters who show up a little bit later, you don't get their names until the end. So I don't even know. It's moving in the right direction compared to what we've seen. We actually knew Kale and Dante and Ridley. Right. And Ho Ho. Ho Ho. That (laughs) cracked me up. Okay, we'll get there. Okay, let's, let's just get into it. So we open on a fiery car wreck in front of a bar, diner, something. There's like a body hanging out of a car and there's flames. So I'm thinking, oh, this is sort of like Terminator because there's like Mm -hmm. a little Terminator vibe too. This is going to be, you know, like death machines or whatever. Then you see these bunch of dudes in big chunky black armor. Horrible knockoff stormtrooper look. They almost look like bad mega men. They're full on black armor and giant guns, and they're walking through this place where there's all these dead people. They come to, there's like a banging noise, and they come into this room, and there's a lady on the floor screaming, and there's another guy in the same armor just punching a wall over and over again. He reminded me of Duke Nukem a little bit. Yes, I wrote that down somewhere. Mm-hmm. This this also gave me a lot of Duke Nukem vibes. Yep. So then the guy starts like glitching out, convulsing, and this big dude in the black armor with a beard, who later is known as Ho-Ho, or I wrote down Santa Claus, steps forward and does this strange little narrative and calls him a man-machine. Then that's it. Did did you have anything to add to that opening sequence? My thought was, this is the super robot of the future, and they are wearing indoor pool swimming goggles instead of a helmet. Well, and listen, I'm pretty sure they didn't put a lot of thought into the super soldier concept because it was definitely less about that and more about other stuff. So from this opening scene, you infer that they're making man machines and that it's not very successful. I liked how there's a quick cut to the lady from the bathroom. Mm. She's being interviewed by a reporter. She's freaking she's like, it was definitely a man machine. <laughs> I was like, we're in for a treat. So from that scene, it cuts to the lady from the diner on, on the floor who was screaming, being interviewed by someone saying whatever you just said. So after you see the clip of that lady being interviewed by the reporter, we get introduced to Chank which is C-H-A-A-N-K, which is apparently a corporation that makes the robot men. And then we see people protesting and there's a woman walking through the crowd and she's introduced as like the new chief officer of Mm -hmm. Chank. And her name is Kale, spelled with a C, C C-A-L-E, but pronounced like the leafy green. 
out of nowhere. They're, they're chanting, they're screaming, child killer. Yeah, you have protesters. Right. And... Also, that never gets explained, the child killer thing. I don't. We'll we'll talk about it later, but yeah, it, I think I have an idea on that. Later. Yeah, me too, because it's very strange. So they're calling her a child killer, and then out of nowhere, somebody punches this lady right in the face. Wonderful! It was great. Yeah, just smack um, her first day on the job and just clobbered in the face. Yeah, she's walking through this crowd, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just gets slammed in the face. And I wrote, "Holy fuck, this is intense." Then this woman who just got punched in the face, the new. I'm trying to describe what her job is she's like a. I called her the ceo i don't know what and from what her. we get from this opening scene before we get into the detail we know it's kind of like there's clearly controversy they're right. bringing in a new executive right. i assume she's coming in to try and clean things up right oh and we find out that the guy that she's replacing was killed in a suspicious way yes so then we see her in her building with this creepy fake blonde dude he reminded me of draco malfoy grown up a little bit yeah or him? like the villain from a ski yeah, movie like a, in a the ski, 80s. Like, ski vacation yeah. movie, yeah. Stan Dash. <laughs> 100%. So his name is Ripley, and he's obviously up to shady business. And obviously an alien's homage. Yeah, so this comes up later as you find out people's names. And I'll just say it now. These people were named after famous directors. One of them was John Carpenter. The other <laughs> one was Ridley Scott, Sam Raimi the evil dead guy. And I don't remember what the other ones are, but as I'm finding their names, I'm like, it's kind of silly that that's what their names were. But luckily we didn't really find out their first and last names. So it's fine. Yeah. It wasn't really spoiled in the uh, dialogue. Yeah. So is his name, his name isn't Ripley. It's Ridley. Ridley. Yeah. The creepy blonde guy. Cause I was kept thinking Ripley too from aliens. And when you deal with a death machine later, it, it, yeah, that kind of makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So we're in a boardroom with all the executives and the new CEO, whatever lady, Kale, is kind of going buck wild on them. And she's making it clear that she is in charge and she means business. And the rest of the boardroom is A, Smoke City. This movie was sponsored by Marlboro Cigarettes, I think, because people can't do anything without lighting up a cigarette in this film. Well, at least in the first half. They didn't really have time in the second half. Ah, they still find one or two moments. But yeah. B, everyone else in the boardroom ignoring her completely. Absolutely. And like, almost all men, ugh. they just are not hearing her. And she says something to the effect of that she's going to kind of pull up all the carpets. And she says, I suck like an Electrolux. I wrote that one. Because she's cleaning their carpets. Yeah. And I wrote, what? With like seven A's. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that line hit out of nowhere. That did not stand the test of time. No, A, that didn't stand the test of time. <laughs> B, I enjoyed Rip Ridley kind of talking to her because there's some suspicion that that Chank Armaments is having some like illegal technology deals. It's creating weapons. It's doing mm -hmm. some shady things the public wants to know about. Right. And in the boardroom, they're talking about how, oh, we can control the media. Just get rid of them and all this stuff. Right. And Kale's pushing back and Ridley goes, listen, this is hard technology for a hard world. If it wasn't for people like us, you'd all be speaking Russian. I'm not quite sure what hard technology means, but I'm in. Well, she's talking about the hard man, hard boy project. Oh, yeah. Um, with robot men. <laughs> and then she mentions Dante, who is on the payroll, who is buying things without authorization. He has secret shenanigans in Vault 10. He's got all kinds of stuff going on. She wants to know more about him. And obviously, this is going to be our nemesis. 
everybody just stands up and leaves as she's trying to like oh, lay yeah. down the law. They just leave. They have no respect for her. Right. Like we're done. There was but, um, one point where Ridley, and this is one of my favorite quotes, like one of the other guys was trying to make a point. He's like, John, 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 shut the fuck up, John. <laughs> Like, yeah, that was that was Santa Claus. Huh? Yeah, he was trying to say make yeah. a valid point. So right at the end, as everybody's leaving, we get a young lady who stops and says to Kale, I don't remember what she said. Something like, be careful with Dante or something. Yeah. Um, this is Rachel was Weiss. Is that how you say Rachel Weiss from The yeah. Mummy. So from The Mummy. So this must be like her first movie. This was ever, her, right? and I looked up her big screen debut. Yeah, she's in it for two seconds. With a lip ring. Yeah. I saw that, and part of me, you know, being so far removed from that time, I'm like, oh, Rachel Weiss is in this. Cool, I wonder what her part's going to be. Oh, that was it. Yeah, it's gone. that's what I thought too. I was like, I'm oh, waiting. she is going to be something later. And then I remembered, wait, this was 1995, so... I wrote down credit to Rachel for uh, getting in and out of this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then we move down to the basement and we meet Jack Dante. So they call him Dante at the beginning and then they move to his first name, which is Jack. So it's a little bit confusing. I'm sure that has something to do with the multiple cuts of movie mm-hmm. of this movie that exists. So yeah, when I read some of the um, notes on it that I was able to find online, the director actually kept being really upset with the editing of this movie mm-hmm. and was changing it all the way up to the release where he actually just released a cut he made himself. Yeah, I read that afterward too. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's something like three or four different cuts of this movie that exist. I didn't really get that from no. the movie. There were a couple things that I saw, but it wasn't terrible. No, it wasn't like the hazing where we kept being like, <laughs> we need more story. Yeah, there's one or two parts and some characters we haven't met yet that kind of I could see maybe there was a little bit more about them. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Yeah. So we meet Jack Dante in his little basement hole, whatever. He's got a bunch of TV screens. He's watching Kale, like from a CCTV sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's watching porn. And then he's watching cartoons. It reminded me kind of like the lone gunman's office from the X-Files. Yes, except not as fun. Except a lot more porn and, and action figures. A lot scarier. <laughs> it was Worse scary. dialogue. <laughs> so... So we leave the boardroom and we go down to Kale's office and it's this giant white room that's pretty out of place with a lot of the rest of the building. It's got like 20 light bulbs swinging suspended from the ceiling. Yeah, it's it very strange. got her old school 90s giant TV and this little TV monitor where a face pops up and tells her, Dante will see you now. And she gets all butthurt. She's like, he should be coming to my office, which fair. Like she's yeah. the CEO. She's not wrong, but... Here, here's the thing. In my head, Dante's in the basement mm-hmm. because everything is black and dark and... It's like welders there's, leading up I to it. I called it the welder's paradise and that she needs mm. some goggles because that is unsafe. That's a really good way to describe it. Yeah. So in my head, he was in the basement. Mm-hmm. However, we find out later that the way that this building is set up, at least I think the way that this building is set up. Guess is as good as mine. Is that Kale's office is on like the 60th floor or something. They have like a core center of the building called the containment mm-hmm. center or something surrounded by a bunch of vaults. Mm-hmm which we find out later, but I'm just trying to place everybody like where she's going to see Jack Dante. And he is in that general area, apparently. Yeah. Right? Is that what I, am I right? That's as good as I got because... Or is he in the basement? This building is dumbfounding. 
So then as she's, Kale is walking toward wherever Jack is, we see there's graffiti, which is a staple <laughs> of the 90s, right? Oh, and my I, God. Some some big bubbly graffiti all over the walls, like, do not enter. And I was getting some serious Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle vibes from that. Um, it felt very 90s, secret of the ooze sort of situation. As someone who's worked at multiple large corporations, all I could think of was like, who let him do that? Right. Like, not right. cool, man. Get rid of it. That's your like final warning. Yeah, so weird. Then we see she goes into this room that's just a bunch of metal shelves filled with crap. It's random stuff. Some action figures. There's like a Mumra action figure, which I got excited about. <laughs> Very the 80s and 90s action yeah. figures. Uh, there's lots of porn around. Hand-drawn porn, which to me seems a little like, listen, porn is fine. I don't care if you like it, whatever. This is also your workplace. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you have to resort to hand-drawn pornography, I feel like there's something bigger going well, on. Well, and he didn't because there were TVs playing live porn. There were cutouts of people from magazines all taped around. It yeah. felt like a 13-year-old's like bedroom closet. Yes. It was very strange. I felt right at home. <laughs> <laughs> Your face. I actually wrote it looks like an abandoned radio shack and KB Toys had a baby. You know what it kind of reminded me of? Did you ever see Seven? You know the scene where they find, I can't remember his name, but the bad guy's lair or whatever? Not well enough to. Okay. So it's very it's very dark. There are pictures all over the place and there's metal shelves and rows of journals and stuff. It's mm-hmm. really similar to that kind of aesthetic, except it's got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing going on and a little bit of hackers going on. So then out steps Dante. He's in a black trench coat and his jeans are New Kids on the Block era Donnie Wahlberg jeans. They have rips from top to bottom. They are something else. I won't lie. I didn't notice them until one of the final scenes. And I I was like absolutely stunned by them. Those were the first things I noticed. (laughs) That to me was so 90s early 90s i remember watching the new kids on the block concert videos and donnie Wahlberg with those jeans he was not my favorite new kid by the way so those were the first things i noticed I the first that. thing i noticed were those weird metal finger claws he was wearing yeah okay so he is wearing these little like rings around the tips of his fingers the that have banjo nails. picks yeah but they're ring like yeah they remind me of interview with the vampire you know how Lestat. Oh, you're making a face at me. Like, what are you talking about? Put it on the list of classic films Ian hasn't seen. You also weren't a 14-year-old girl at the time when Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt were super duper attractive. So I watched that movie about a thousand times. Where was I? I just got lost thinking about Brad Pitt and Interview with the Vampire. Okay. Lestat has a little finger claw to Mm -hmm. slice people and drink their blood. I was thinking more of what those remind me of. Oh, Oh, the, the shitty 80s version? Of yeah. Him? Yeah. With the, um, I'm going to The Gamja Bar? Yeah, the Gamja Bar. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm going to get so many people hating on me for that comment, but I am a huge Dune fan. I've read all the books so many times, and I cannot watch that movie. I've watched it once, and I absolutely loathed it, and I'm sorry. Can't. The only thing about it that I like is Sting. That's it. I'm not wading into this when you're on your own. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I'll make my own mistakes. Sorry, people out there. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of hate, but that's just, it's just how I feel. Okay. Yeah. So he has Lestat nails. 
is what I called them. He also has the worst wig I've ever seen. He looks like the girl from the ring. It's <laughs> yeah. long, okay. scraggly yeah. brown, mostly in his face. Again, this is Brad Dourif. Interesting fact. I actually, it was bad. I looked up. That was actually his natural hair he grew out for this role. Are you serious? No, it's an absolutely terrible wig, but I got you I was going to say, no, that was so that was ugly. The There's I've ever had no way. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Here I wrote, has Brad Dourif always looked 50? Because he's pretty young in this movie. He looks 50 eternally. He's one of those people that it's a blessing and a curse. Mm Because when you're young, it's a curse. But as you age, when you're like 70 and you look 50, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's good on the back end. Yeah. So um, Uh, this is where I wrote, um, stopped watching the first time at 1251 to sleep. Because I started watching this movie one day and (laughs) it hadn't kicked in yet. And I was done that day. (laughs) And I love this movie. So he and Kale have this like weird kind of back and forth. It's very strange. He has a strange like speech pattern and he's got a little bit of, I, I can't really describe his strangeness. I think he's it's like just- like a teenage boy man. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a boy man. And then he sits down and starts watching a cartoon. And I don't know if you noticed this. He's watching the cartoon and they do like a little bit of a close-up on his face before they pull away. And it looks like there's a tear coming down his face. I like uh, that. It was very strange. So I don't know if the tear was an actual tear or if it was on purpose. But I noticed that. I didn't rewind it. It might make sense because so Kale goes to shut it off because of tension. He loses it. Has yeah. to turn it right back on. Then he starts threatening her. He knows where she lives. And then he says, I'm oh, a hacker. God, a so hacker 90s. Thing. And I, yeah, I wrote super 90s. Super 90s. You know, he's and, a hacker. And the, the way that Coolest you can- profession people could think of at that time. The way you can tell he was a hacker was that he was wearing a trench coat and had weird hair. And was working in a dark, like, right. off the main path of the building office. So that's the old white guy's, uh, you know, conception of what a hacker is in the 90s, apparently. Because all the movies that had hackers- yeah. This was what they were. And so, you know, she's kind of telling him he has to come report to her, like she's in charge. She wants to see what's in this Vault 10 that was mentioned in the boardroom meeting. And he's like, well, good luck getting in there. You need to swipe your card and Ridley's at the same time. And she's like, well, how do you get in there? And he's like, ha, 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 I'm a hacker. I can get in. To which I said, why? All right. CEO of your company. Why are you giving up all your secrets right away? You know, he really offers this information. Well, and in this scene, we start to see that he's a little bit enamored of her. Mm-hmm. It's just the beginning of it. It becomes clearer later that it's actually more of an obsession. Yeah, I was say it becomes beyond clear yeah. later on in this movie. Well, you know, I'm trying to just like dip the toes in here, yeah. you know? All right, so, you know, they just kind of, they go their separate ways. Right. She's like, fine, I'll go get his card and do it myself because he won't right. let her in. So, at around 14 minutes, we leave Kale and the Chank building. And we see this dude go into what I thought was a van, but it turns out to be a big storage container. I thought it was a van too, but it turns out to be like a, you know, budget rent-a-truck size truck. You know, yeah, a, it's a like it's one. like one of those storage containers on the back of a tractor trailer. Yeah, you know, like an 18-wheeler. Right. So we're introduced to these three guys. We don't get names of these guys. What until... did you name them? Because I named them. So I do have a name for them later, but I can't remember what it is like the reefer patrol or something so i don't even know what's happening here except they're all smoking the weirdest joints i've ever seen oh yeah they have these crazy joints rolled up with like 10 of them sticking out the sides and like a giant fat weird shaped one 
I don't understand what the point of that was, except to be like, look, we're cool. Right? Is that was that I what that was? I think so. They're in this truck with all this surveillance equipment. Mm-hmm. They're all in this kind of like I guess I would describe it as dystopian underground resistance kind of you know rebel gear. Yeah, but we don't get that here. We find that out later. No, I'm just saying from like their gear because like one guy who I called Eye Paint. Um, oh has yeah, one eye painted like a bad version of the Japanese flag. Yeah, it's like red dot, oh, like red things sticking out. So, his name's like, okay, yeah. let me, now that you say that. So he has a red circle around his eye and then rays almost mm-hmm. like coming out around yeah. his face. It's very strange. I didn't realize till later in the movie that he is Asian of like he's Asian. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So, I mean, he, he is Asian, but it wasn't a thing. No. And then all of a sudden in the movie, it was a thing. Later in the movie, he has like, it's very racist in my opinion, like these supernatural inklings. He's like, hmm, I can feel the air. Like he has a couple of moments like that. And then all of a sudden he has like these hand movements. He has these hand movements and there's sound, sound effects like, <laughs> and I started to get confused and a little bit annoyed. <laughs> this is one of the problems with going back to, you know, the 90s, 80s and before is some of these movies, we're going to run into these things, which like this, you watch and you're like, not cool. Didn't age well. But yeah. back then everyone was like, this is funny shit, man. And there's, ugh. there's a moment later that we're not going to talk about toward the end with him. We'll talk about it in the moment when it happens. Okay. <laughs> because I laughed and I thought it was funny and I understood what it was about. And then I was like, no. Yeah. So <laughs> I paint guy. Then we had boss guy, who is the one who came in, who ends up being his the name. Leader. What it, his name is Ramey. Yeah. Right. We don't find, we don't that, find out that out until, until the, end. the very end of the movie. Right. Yeah. The and then end. there's a third guy who I didn't even give a name to. I just he, called him third guy. He looks like one of the Lone Rangers from <laughs> X-Files. He literally does. Those three guys, to me, reminded me of the Lone Gunman from the X-Files. Like, those three guys were mm-hmm. the Lone Gunman from the X-Files in their weird little van with their weird little surveillance. They're very quirky. Then we get this strange sort of rundown of how Ridley, the blonde guy... A.K.A. And, the rat, according to them. Right. And we never get clarification about what that's all and about. And he's the only one who gets a nickname. Right. And then Kale, the new CEO lady, mm-hmm. they are their targets. So they're trying to get through the vaults into the containment part. Yeah. But so I they need to get the cards and the go and, codes and or something. Codes. Yeah. So from Ridley and they Kale. clarify that more later though. Yeah. And we get a whole graphics scene, like computer graphics scene that is lovely. So then we go back to Kale inside Mm -hmm. and she's reading through reports that show that the guy whose job she took over was (laughs) killed by a shark. In the building. In the building. And then she is talking to Ridley about it. And he pretty much says, yeah, the last guy was chewed up by a shark inside this building. Crazy, huh? Don't mess with Dante. None of us mess with Dante. It was Dante's machine and we're all afraid of him. It becomes very clear that Dante has the run of this building doing whatever he wants. And everyone's just like, don't get in his way. Right. Then she... She sticky fingers Ridley's ID card off him in that interaction. Right. She steals his key card so that she can get into... Vault 10. Vault 10 is basically what's happening here. Figure out what's going on. Right. So then we see her accessing Dante's file. 
she sees there's a whole rundown of his background. They say he has acute violent psychosis. Some sexual assaults, uh, violent history. They're setting you up, letting you know he's very dangerous is basically what it is. And so this... And then the computer system itself says, recommend for immediate promotion. That's right. That was, that was funny. Yeah, I was that like, was pretty this funny. corporation gets it. So 18 minutes, two seconds, Dante pops up in her office mm-hmm. looking like the girl from the ring. And this is where we get a little bit more of our story, a little bit of exposition here. Apparently, he's a weapons expert. <laughs> like 10 guns on him. <laughs> well, yeah. And he also is talking about how he's the one who designs all of the weapons for the company. Mm-hmm. And he has all these cuckoo-doodle schemes, and they just kind of let him do it. Yeah. He's like, don't mess with me. Yeah, so this whole scene, his hair is in his face, and it kept <laughs> making me... My hair is, is up, like in a bun, not in my face. And I kept like pushing hair back from my face that wasn't there because I was getting stressed <laughs> out by the hair in his face. His hair also always looks kind of wet. Yeah, it's gross. It's like yeah. he's in the WWE He looks something. like a professional wrestler. Yeah. yeah, it's gross. We see a quick flash that she has a gun. She has access to a gun. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls out a well-thumbed-through pornographic magazine with pictures of Kale in She's it. on the cover. To which he says to her, did you write this quote down? Where he calls her a jelly baby? You're a hot jelly baby, was his line. What the fuck does that mean? So the only place that I know jelly baby from is Doctor Who, the fourth doctor, eats jelly babies. So I don't know if maybe that was like a Doctor Who reference. I mean, they're or... very referential in this film. There's a chance. But that's a real creepy way to reference Doctor Who. Fits with a real creepy character. Yeah, he starts getting all sexual and creepy. She pulls the gun on him, and he gets even more sexual and creepy. Did you write down any quotes? I didn't. I uh, wrote down. So she pulls out the gun on him after she's like, get out. And he's like, oh, time of the month. Oh, Hold on. I have a thing about that. Okay. No, I don't know. That was the quote I had. So he's just like saying creepy shit. She's got the gun in his face. He gets more creepy and excited. He's turned on by it. Yeah. Then she cocks the gun and (laughs) he is like, oh, all right. I guess she's serious. And he backs up and he says, oh, I get it. Time of the month. Yeah. As he's leaving, I wrote, bitch, if it was that time of the month, she would have shot your creepy ass. Okay, because no, no. So this is such a 90s. Well, no, this is such a male dominated industry thing for the way they approach excuses as the time of the month. Right. And also, listen, when it's your time of the month, as any person who has a time of the month will tell you, we pretty much just want to lay on the couch and eat chocolate and sleep. Okay, we're not like running around like monsters screaming at people and going buck wild. We're tired and we're bloated and we want chocolate. That's it. Do you have the uh, closed captioning on for this film? No, I didn't. I can't. Then you missed. So speaking, if he's going to call it her time of the month. So he turns around to leave and he's got his arms spread out and he's making noises. Oh, no. The closed captioning goes, intimidating airplane. (laughs) Hold on. No, it didn't. You laughed so hard. I did have the closed captions on because I was watching it on Amazon. It doesn't say intimidating. It says imitating airplane. 
Well, that would make, I mean, you're not going to intimidate an airplane. So I guess this should be a good moment where we introduce our listenership to the way I uh, enunciate words or oftentimes all have a word in mind. Hope anyone can relate. Now get really close to it, but it's just not quite the right word. I think it's part of having ADHD as you read things really fast yeah. and you replace the word. No, I won't lie. I wrote down intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it would have been way funnier if oh. that were the case. But he was imitating yeah. the airplane as he was leaving, going like oh, with his arms in the air. Yeah, That's it, hysterical. It Please hysterical. leave that in. Intimidating airplane. Oh, uh, why would Can I think that out? Can we get some fan art of that? Yeah. <laughs> so from there, uh, a note I made is, so we get like our next shot is like her leaving to go home for the night. And she, so this is supposed to be a dystopian near future. And I really actually like a lot of the, like the art, the outside art. I like that 90s, 80s Blade Runner kind of vibe. You know, the thundercloud skies, these buildings. They're driving normal ass cars. Well, I don't, it's, it's near future. So I don't think they're supposed to be like flying cars. But then they have robot super soldiers and death machines. It's, mm. so I, have I wanted to say, some flying cars. I don't think the budget would allow Or not that. a Honda Accord. Why? Hondas last forever, man. Apparently. <laughs> so this exterior shot is one of those really fun, fake late 80s, early 90s. Like you said, with thunderclouds yeah. and stuff. I think like the rooftop and Ghostbusters scene. I was thinking more like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. It's, it legitimately was exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's Dark Place. I love that style of artwork. <laughs> it's I, so I, good. I'm always here for it. Um, and if anyone has not seen or heard of, which is more likely, you've never heard of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. It's a British com- uh, comedy. It is so hysterical it's so yeah, worth just go watch. watch it's worth it's Please absolutely go worth watch your time it. it's so it. funny yeah. i don't even know where you can stream it anymore but it's hysterical yeah find it it's wonderful yeah so then kale leaves she drives off in her honda accord or whatever mm-hmm. it is as she's leaving she passes a truck that's coming in mm-hmm. and it's one of the it's it's the rebel group in their truck right it's Raimi. Yeah. i said the joint dudes they pull in the outside of the truck, I couldn't tell completely. I know it's supposed to be like a refrigeration truck yeah. or something. It looked like it said the chill. Oh, on that'd the be side. awesome. And I was like, oh, that kind of fits with their whole vibe. Yeah. Chill. He's wearing like a chef's hat. I don't know what that's all about because I'm pretty sure it's like an AC type repair truck or some silliness. So they park outside and start drilling through the truck, like the bottom of the truck and down. Yeah, to hack in. They and like- this is. Well, this is where we get yeah. our explanation of their plan, yep. except I don't understand what the drilling part was. I think that was them trying to tap into the network to like oh, hack into I it. I thought they were drilling a hole down into the ground and tunneling in. <laughs> it was so In a very confused. tiny hole. <laughs> well, that, but that's what I was thinking. There. I was not understanding what they were drilling down to. Well, I think this is another one of those kind of anachronistic things where now to us, we're like, just get on their Wi-Fi. But back then, you know, the concept wasn't so established. These guys are in a truck at night, parked right outside the building, drilling down. Totally not conspicuous at all, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So then we get their plans which are complete with old school 90s computer technology, oh, so good. which looked exactly like the opening credits to the IT crowd. Another amazing British comedy. Yep. Right? It's British with, comedy week. Yeah. With that really funny, chunky, blocky, 8-bit oh, sort of it. 
computer-generated pathway that they're following. First, we're going to go to the vaults, and then we're going to bypass the vaults. And it's just this bird. No, it had a black of. and white Wolfenstein feel to it. It. I wrote Duke Nukem. That was hardcore Duke Nukem. So I'm going a little even farther. Well, I'm just going farther back in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're. I mean, they are very similar in that sort of style. But I used to play a lot of Duke yeah. Nukem back in the day. So it just. Was no, it ab- it absolutely did, and I lo- I was I loved it. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And then he just says a bunch of computery things. He's like a Googleplex of the. Oh yeah, it's a Googleplex. That word stood out to me too. I was yeah. like, huh. And so I think they were just trying to let you know that they know things about computers. I just wrote they're talking in IT gibberish that clearly isn't real. I'm pretty sure that they were real words, but I'm not sure if they were applied correctly. That's not my field. I would ask your brother. So apparently what they're doing is trying to get into the building, bypass the vaults to get to the containment area, which has a Googleplex billion all, dollars. Like, their info and all their money, yeah, apparently. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I just said a Googleplex billion dollars. That's that's about as logical as whatever they said for money. <laughs> I know numbers. Um, I think they said like Plex bonds or yeah, some yeah, something about big bonds. money. So basically we we are to infer that that's where this corporation keeps all of their money, which seems very silly, but I guess they trust themselves. I keep it in my center silo, so I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Sure. So after he explains the plan, the lead guy, Ramy, you don't know his name by now, but we're just going to use it because yeah. it's going to get confusing. To psych them up, he shouts, he shouts, Aru, Aru, Aruha! Out of yeah. nowhere. That was weird. I was so confused, and he was so pumped up. He looked silly when he said that. He looked silly. He reminds in multiple me, points of this film. So it's not the he same. He was trying actor. hard though. So it's not the same actor, but he reminds me of the jerky boyfriend in that movie in Sino Man. Okay. That's Do you not remember that I movie? Get. No. Oh, that's a fun movie. Put too. it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> but he just is sort of like a douche. And he's got the hair, like the stupid hair, the 90s-ish hair. I didn't understand what he was trying to say by it. It seemed really out of the blue. And for these three stoners, he's way too like high energy. I wasn't sure if maybe it was a reference to something, because this filmmaker is obviously putting references into the movie. This is the second movie in a row, first of all with Brad Dourif, second of all with <laughs> lots of references to other movies. Um, if anyone knows Aru Aru Aruha, if there's a <laughs> reference to it, please let us know. I would. I got nothing. It made no sense. It was very strange. He was very passionate. I wonder if it was an ad lib thingy, and they just kept it. So we leave the van. We're in the boardroom. Ridley's talking to Ho Ho on one of the computer screens, and they're pretty much saying like, "We got to get rid of this CEO. She's snooping into our business." Ho Ho's like, "It's already in the works. Don't worry about it." And Ridley's like, "Good. She's." A nosy noserton, you know, why she, she thinks she's better than us. She's not better than us. Rah. We should clarify that Ho Ho is a nickname given to the bearded guy from the very beginning with the super soldiers. Who's on the board. Who's on the board. His name is John Carpenter. Yeah, because he's named after the director. Sure. Um, so he later on is called Ho Ho by one of the eco-terrorists or whatever they are. The three stoners. Um, and that's just his name forever now. And yeah. then that's just what we call him. So after that, Dante pops up. He starts talking to Ridley about entropy. A very sweaty Ridley. Oh, yeah. It was very weird. So depending on the angle of the shot, Ridley was very sweaty <laughs> yeah. or kind of sweaty or not sweaty at all. 
And then as the scene went on, he got progressively more confusingly sweaty. Yeah. Like more wet, (laughs) glisteny looking. He was very moist. It was gross. And then Dante just keeps talking about entropy and devolving into chaos. Mm -hmm. And there's like this example with a pencil breaks it. He's like, isn't that cooler? Really yeah, like I it's actually, just a broken pencil. I actually thought that that was kind of interesting. I think I just really like Brad Dourif and mm-hmm. the way he delivers things. And he's a good actor. And I liked the way that he was talking about entropy because he was describing it correctly. And I guess a lot of people don't describe science terms correctly. So I get so excited when they do. When they do. <laughs> and it also, to me, was a cool way to kind of show you a tangible sort of example of entropy, I guess, that makes sense to people. I don't know, maybe it's just me. I used to teach entropy to eighth graders. So trying to figure out examples that would make sense to them, that would stick in their heads. Mm -hmm. This, to me, it just kind of stuck with me. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like the way he was talking about the pencil and he breaks it and says, isn't that cooler? You know, it's got a little bit of a psychotic tinge to it. Mm -hmm. It's He's very unwell, obviously. But I just thought it was kind of cool. I like the scene. I thought the scene was a good scene. This is a good scene. It was an interesting scene. This is, and it gets better. And he's real creepy, and it sort of is unsettling, and so it makes you kind of sit on the edge of your seat almost because you know something's coming. This was a good scene. Yeah, only because Brad Dourif is excellent. So at this point, Ridley's like, "Your pencil's stupid. I don't like it." He's very nervous though, and this is where Dante starts to be like, "Hey, so I have this new toy I'd like to introduce you to." He has this remote control, size of a walkie-talkie, but like one of those giant, like car phone size walkie-talkies. Yeah, it was like a Zach Morris cell phone. Yeah, from the and early he's 90s. holding the button down. He's like, you have to hold the button down. It's called a dead man switch. It's called a dead man switch. You have to be holding the button down the whole time. Otherwise, right? it activates. Mm-hmm. And Ridley's like, what is going on? And then Dante starts talking like Sylvester the cat and spitting everywhere. <laughs> Like, like that sort of thing, except spit everywhere. I hate spit. It's disgusting. And that grossed me out so much. And he is obviously devolving. Yeah. Or as we say, decompensating. He's now explaining to Ridley like, so anyways, the purpose of this toy is to kill you because my girlfriend, Kale, he thinks Kale's his girlfriend now, you were trying to get rid of her. Right. And so he releases the dead man switch. Ridley's in a full panic, and we cut to the first-person view of the death machine. It reminded me of a bad version of the Predator vision. Kind of, yeah. But with, like, computer technology, like a heads-up display built in, and it starts sprinting. And this is where I realized all these walls and rooms, it's coming from Vault 10, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. This whole building is made up of like corridors of steel and metal, and it's just making a beeline. And, and you just smashing see it, through the wall. You see it like has like a heat signature in the distance, which you start to figure out it's Ridley, and it's just getting closer and closer. And Ridley starts to get really nervous. Then he starts to run. We have this robot point of view. It's like shaky, shot like a video game. Like you said, it's got that heat signature. It's scanning things. It's like going beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, whatever. Awesome. This robot, I'm sorry looks so stupid it was so the opposite of scary and frightening looking that it actually kind of took me out of the moment how dare you it was it looked like edward (laughs) scissorhands dog i guess the way i would describe it is it's stainless steel it's like a giant dog 
It's got a bear trap for mouth. Its hands have like blade finger it's, claws. It's like Edward scissor hands, yep. finger blades, and it's and it's going like Yeah, oh, and it's and it's like it's like if you let those mechanical teeth go yeah. on the floor, always yes. chomping. Yes, that's yep. exactly what it was um, because it it was silly to me. It was more silly than scary. Yeah, it's it's really it's a big failure. Movie. I wrote at one point, if this was a video game, this would be like the stage's mini boss. This isn't e- this isn't the final boss of a game. This isn't even a boss. This is yep. like you have to beat it early on. So then this thing starts chasing chases Ridley. Ridley. It's it's very anticlimactic because it basically just like comes up to him and then all of a sudden he's like, no. I agree. This movie struggles with the actual kill sequences. Yeah, they're really disappointing. Yeah. Of the movies we've done so far, I think this one has the worst effects. Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate because it had the opportunity to be real fun with all those Edward Scissorhand, Freddy Krueger claws. And it clearly had the biggest budget because it was a mainstream movie. Right. The best part of Ridley's death was when it kills him, it does the little video game like... Dur, 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 dur. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then it's a, and then game over comes on the screen. Right, right, oh, that right. made me so happy. That was fun. That made me Yeah, laugh. and then it played the 8-bit funeral march. Yeah. Yes, oh, I love yeah. that so much. Yeah, but, that was so really funny. Ridley's dead. You knew this was going to happen. What we learned from his death is the death machine is... In the building. In the building and loose. And, and that it's controlled by Dante and his yeah. dead man switch. Right. So at some point moving forward, but they start referring to him as Jack Dante. I want to say that in my notes, I just call, I kept calling him Dante. But if we call him Jack, that's who we're referring to. Yeah. I tried to keep it the same so that I didn't confuse anybody. All right. So from Ridley's death, we get a shot of Kale at home in her bed mm-hmm. and Beardy McBeardson, ho ho, pops up on a little monitor next to her bed and was like you gotta get to the building now and he's like yelling at her and she just was like fuck you yeah then she um shows up and they're at the building and i have to tell you at this point that i love the character of kale only because in this movie she is wearing a t-shirt and sweatpants and high top like ratty old high tops and it made me so happy because she's really like a beautiful woman. And so wrote, I love that she's in a t-shirt and sweatpants and not some trashy outfit. And if they put her in one later, I'm going to be real mad because I'm expecting like, oh no, she's going to get slashed up and have to be like in her bra or something. Because that's just what always happens. And it doesn't. And I fucking love it. It made me so happy. I I appreciate that. I like Kale. She frustrates me at times, but I like her because... She's not a damsel in distress. And this is the mid-90s, right. and that was still, yes, you know, rampant. She handles her shit. She makes decisions. She's the educated, the successful one. There are going to be references later where some of the rebel guys will have to do something because, like, well, you're the smart one. You know, right. she is capable. She don't need a man. Well, they kind of reference something that I wonder if is in a different cut of her being cutthroat and doing some having some like shady dealings or something. Oh yeah. I remember that. Cause um, it's, I think Ridley says, you're no, but you're no cleaner than we are kind of right. thing. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. It's not explained. Maybe he's referring to the porn magazine. Oh, that just occurred okay. to me right now. Oh, okay. Actually. Yeah. That would make some Maybe, sense. But, but um, who fucking cares? Seriously. You do you. Right. I'm sorry, but I wouldn't be ashamed of that. I'd yeah. be like, yeah, you probably jerked off to it. You creepy little bitch. So Kale and Beardy McBeardo, ho, ho, <laughs> they find Ridley they're like, what the F is happening here? And then Dante shows up. And I wrote, Dante arrives being a fucking creep. 
Do you hear Dante shows up is the theme of this movie. Right. He shows up <laughs> being a fucking creep all the time. Yeah. He says, <laughs> I love this line. I'm going to say it because I think it's better coming from you. I showed him my thing and it killed him. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts giggling. Oh. Um, In true teenage boy man fashion. Yeah. Yeah. And that was creepy and hysterical. Credit to Brad for his willingness to go all in on this script. It was pretty hilarious. So he hits a home run with every one of these lines. Yeah. He delivers creep so well. So good. So well. Thank you, sir. So he then starts creeping on Kale hard. Mm-hmm. Harder, I should say. He basically is saying, promote me and we'll be a team. And by team, you know he means he wants the bang. Yeah, 100%. Right. Yeah. She goes, sure. Why don't you go get me the data file or whatever? And I'll do that for you. Well, I'll promote you. Cool. So while his back is turned, because before this, he was like creeping on her computer screen while I didn't know what she was doing. So mm-hmm. when his back is turned, she terminates him. So he loses his mind. I had three notes about this, about yep. terminating his access. One, why has no one done this before? Two, he told you he's a hacker. You're just messing with a psychopath who's going to be able to hack right in and give himself access again. Three, Wait like 20 minutes, girl, when he's not right next to you to see you do it. But I think the point is, is that he's not going to leave. I think he lives there. What I mean by wait like 20 minutes is like, give him the access, let him go back to his place, and then terminate it once he's walked away. No, oh, Yeah, but then that would totally I know, ruin plot device, yeah. Right. The next moment in which he goes wild, he pulls a gun on her and tells her that he's disappointed and he, he looks like he's about to kill her when all of a sudden the reefer squad shows up and <laughs> saves her. So that's the three dudes who were out in the van earlier who were coming in to get the key cards and shit to steal the bonds yeah. or whatever. No, they're they were just destroy it. Oh, they're destroying yeah, yeah, okay. destroying everything. I don't think we get that when they first lay out their plan. We get that later in the movie that what they're doing is actually they want to destroy it. So they're here to get the key cards and the codes. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get Kale to give up the number numerical sequence or whatever to whatever is needed. Do whatever for. they yeah. need to do. She won't give it up. So then the guy says, You ever see Scarface? And they go get the cutter. Yeah. So f- my first question was, hold on, Scarface exists in this world? Because to me, this seemed like a world where maybe that isn't a thing. I don't so know. there's another reference later. We'll get, there's a couple references yeah. very directly also, to things. So this is in our universe. Also, the only thing anybody remembers about Scarface are mountains of cocaine and a machine gun fight at the end. Say hello to my little friend. I don't understand what the cutter would have to do with Scarface, whatever. So we still don't find out what the cutter is at this point because Dante speaks up and says he knows a better way into the containment and they need to go to Vault 10. Because it's easier to cut through this thinner wall through the vault than it is to cut through the giant main door. Right. If you're these rebels and they're like, why are you trying to help us? He's like, that bitch just fired me. So they build a little camaraderie. His logic makes sense to them. They bring the cutter, which turns out to be a giant vault wall cutter kind yeah, of device. Got, I, the cutter just cut shit. Yeah. Cut. And I wrote, okay, boring. I thought it was going to be something more fun. So um, they cut through into Vault 10. They're all stoked. Dante giggles into it right after they open it yeah. up like a little he, happy schoolboy. Right. He runs in like a little squirrel. He's yeah. Like, and runs in. <laughs> so they go inside. He pokes his little head out and he's got googly eye glasses on this, like the Google With the slinkies. Eyes, the slinky eyes. Yeah. They're like, what is happening? Why are you wearing those? And he goes... Because it's a surprise party. And he <laughs> so fl- good. flips on a light 
there's balloons? Yeah. Was that just, did he have it set up so he could say that line? Or does he always just have balloons in that room? I think everywhere he's got something ready for a fun thing. Right. So then he activates his monster robot. They're like, ah, balls. And slashing commences. Yeah, and it kills... uh, Number three, the one we don't know so much. And Raimi, the leader, runs out back to everyone. He escapes. We find out that guy's name because Raimi yells it like seven times, but I don't remember what it is. Uh, Hold on. Wayland! Wayland! Yep, that's the only time. Yep. So then I also wrote, so Raimi's yelling. The other guy with the red paint on his face is all hyped up. And I wrote... These guys are way too aggressive to just be on THC. Oh, yeah. Like, they, it almost seems like maybe those weirdo joints were laced with something. So the weird guy's name gets revealed here, and it's Yutani. Oh, yeah. I remember he said that, and I didn't care, so I didn't write it down. So yeah. he's red paint face man. Because he says it there, and then he doesn't say it again until the like later and the end. Mm-hmm. So anyways, he gets back to face paint guy, Kale, and Ho-Ho. And he says, the guy is dead. Yeah, murdered, murder machine, killed everybody. So then Dante pops up on screen and he calls his evil robot a psycho death bot and says it's on the loose and he has some demands. Mm -hmm. So when I say he pops up, he pops up on a monitor, like a television monitor that's like on the wall. This will also be a recurring theme. Right. So now we're getting, he's sort of in his little lair. And he's pretty much saying, hey, my murder robot's going to kill you unless you meet my three demands. Right. And his demands are that they reinstate his access. Which he's hacking into these screens and stuff. I don't know. Yep. Maybe it's just the principle of it. Sure. Um, he Forget oh, today ever happened. Right. That's the second mm-hmm. one. And the third one is that Kale interface with him on a regular basis. Uh, first of all, what the fuck does that even mean? He's talking about banging, right? Yeah. And he, when they get face-to-face later, he says another awkwardly quoted version of that that I have. Uh, he plays creepy so well very very good with like that that little touch of sinister yeah like in a really fun way he's just like skeeves me out i get so grossed out by him but he's so good anyways clearly kale's like no we're not cool with these demands and the rebel reefer squad are like we're out guys we're just leaving so ho ho objects strongly yeah you're just gonna leave us here he like freaks out which Raimi, the leader of the reefer squad, tosses Santa a pocket knife. <laughs> and is like, well, come on now. You can follow us. We yeah. ain't watching you. Yeah. Right. Um, then we see the robot is tracking them. Mm-hmm. So they're making their way through the building and they're concerned about noise, right? Yep. They they yell at Ho Ho when he makes a loud noise. Says, what are you a one man percussion session? Right. Section. Not two seconds later. Raimi smashes a glass Shoots out a glass wall to get through it. Does that not make noise? Whatever. So then they're realizing, you know, we got to make it harder for this machine to get to us. So Kale explains, hey, if there's some sort of fire going on, the system's going to shut down extra fire security doors. Yeah, it has these blast doors that are like metal doors, I guess, that are going to come down. I thought it was funny. She then goes, anyone have a match? This lady who smokes 24-7 and these two reefer guys, no one has a light on them. Right. That was my thought. She was just smoking a cigarette a couple of scenes before. And these guys were smoking all the weird joints ever, but nobody has a lighter. Fortunately, they have a thermonuclear grenade, which they use. They call it a thermic detonator. Is that a thing? Those are words put in order. Right. I know what the words themselves mean. <laughs> I, I've together. never heard of it. Right. Then Raimi calls her Stallone, like makes a reference to Sylvester <laughs> yeah. Stallone. So he's in this universe too. 
Sure. At this point, okay, so they set off the fire. I was actually impressed that they had the sprinklers and they didn't use it as an opportunity to soak her in her white shirt. <laughs> I didn't even think about I thought that, I yeah. actually gave the movie credit because I'm like, oh, great. They're using this as they're setting it up. I'm like, yeah. this is going to be their excuse to soak her in water. And they didn't. And I actually, I very, again, I appreciate uh, that this movie didn't go there. But I also um, then wrote, honestly, at this point, from what we've seen, how has this thing not found them in five minutes? They're stomping around, setting off grenades. It's run through walls and other scenes. Listen, they're trying to draw out the tension, I guess. I guess. I don't feel it, but I guess that's what they're doing. So then we get the, the real plan of what I'm calling the reefers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People are probably going to think that I'm being a jerk. It's just making me think of reefer madness, that yeah. horrible movie, the propaganda movie from way back <laughs> in the day. And um, the beginning of this sublime song. Yeah. He's like, reefers. <laughs> Um, so their plan is to blow up the money and none of their guns have bullets in them. Oh yeah. They Cause they're the humanistic Alliance. Right. And I wrote, okay. Yeah. With like seven O's. Um, so it was at this point that I thought, oh, I wonder if these guys are here to save people who are being converted to super soldiers like Cybermen. Mm-hmm. That was my thought. That was the thing, the only thing to me that made sense as to why they would want to break in and that they're humanists, mm-hmm. right? And that they're into nonviolence or whatever. Mm-hmm. My thought was they're coming to somehow disable the super soldier program because they made it into a thing at the beginning and they made some reference to like kidnapping veterans or something and and wiping their minds. It's explained later, like wiping yep. their minds and turning them into super soldiers. So I don't know if that's in a different cut of the movie. But none of that in this cut none actually applies comes at this point. to fruition. Yeah. But that was just my thought. And I was like, okay, if that's the direction that it's going in, maybe this can get more interesting. Not that it's not interesting, but it just doesn't seem to really have a yeah. point. So we're, we've just heard their plan. This is where my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is, Santa Claus goes, great, I'm being protected by the three Stooges minus one, to which one of the rebels looks at and goes, hey, fuck you, Ho-Ho. So that's where Ho-Ho comes from. It's a great line. Right. So that's where we get his nickname. Yep. I wrote that too. (laughs) Can we also talk about how all the comebacks in this movie are eye-rollingly bad? They're basically just like 10-year-olds. One of the guys goes, suck me. (laughs) What? Sounds like something a 10-year-old would say. That is... is good writing so silly so at this point knowing that they don't have bullets in their guns ho ho pulls out a gun and he takes charge He's like i have a real gun we're getting out of here so this is a throwback to earlier which we didn't say um when the reefer squad came in and took charge of everybody before everything that has just transpired transpired they disarmed everyone so they took everyone's guns and oh, this yeah, is yeah, when yeah. we find out that dante has 10 guns on his person yep. and they take Ho-Ho's gun. And so at this point he pulls out the gun and the one guy's like, how did he get his gun back? I don't know. No one knows. Well, nobody no. knows. He no just, knows. Has, yeah, he just has it back. And he says, I have a real gun. And he like shakes it at him and makes them get into the service elevator. Mm-hmm. Very roomy. I wrote, they're in the service elevator. My money is Santa goes next. <laughs> he starts being a douche. Well, he's been a douche, but he continues to be a douche. Yeah. And douche he, level up. Right. He levels up his douchery and he got lady punched. Yeah, because he goes to Kale. He's like, hey, nothing personal. I hope this doesn't affect. And he looks her up and down so blatantly. Our working relationship moving forward, lady punch. Exactly. Well-deserved lady Mm -hmm. punch. 
Then the elevator stops and robot smashes up. So there's lots of smashing and stabbing. It's like a giant Edward Scissorhands hand just smashing around. From the center of the elevator floor, yeah. By the way, in every other scene, that hand is much smaller, right? Yep. Okay. This one took up like two-thirds of the elevator. It's smashing around. It stabs the guy with the red-painted face. In the leg, yep. Right. Ho-Ho shoots at it. The bullet ricochets and hits him. And then he gets impaled. Okay. So I wrote A, Ho-Ho down. Uh Yeah. And then I wrote, I was right. And the only reason he dies is because Kale's, he's been shot. He's sitting in the corner next to a button, elevator Mm -hmm. panel. And Kale's like, dude, just press the button. Just press the button. And every time he goes to press it, he gets, he's like nervous and scared, nervous and scared. And long enough that dead. Yep. Yeah. Um, So of course, Kale goes over, hits the button. Elevator goes up. Ho-Ho gets pulled down by the robot. They fall down the... It was very strange and prolonged. Yeah. So what had happened, the way that this was set up, the robot hand is sticking out through the middle. It's up through the middle of the elevator floor, impaling him. And then as the elevator is slowly going up, the hand is being pulled down. Yeah. And so he's being pulled down through the hole in the center. (laughs) And he just sort of lingers there. And he's like... Yeah, there's one shot where he's just like looking right at them. Yeah. (laughs) Which was rather hysterical. It was very strange. He like kind of like looks all in the eye, like shame. Death shame. Right. And then he and the robot fall down the elevator shaft. The first of many what should be deaths for this robot. Yeah. The way it's designed with all those exposed hydraulics. Exactly. Yeah. It's like rubber hoses. It has weaknesses that yeah. no one mentions. Yep. Okay. So the red painted face man, what is his name? Yutani. Yutani. All right, I'm going to try to call him, even though we don't learn his name to the end. So Yutani has this gash in his leg from the robot. They're looking for something to bandage it with. This is where we get the first... um, (laughs) Oh my God, how did I not write this down? Right. This is a very weird thing that happens here. He sticks his hand down his pants. I really thought he was pulling on his dick or something, which is very bizarre. Turns out what he's doing is he's ripping off his underwear Zoolander style. (laughs) Okay? Like the scene in Zoolander where they're on the runway. He rips off his underwear and holds them out like, and I was like, no, no. I cringe so hard. Oh, my God. So this is my first thing where I'm like, oh, so they're setting up that he is the magical Asian, which is a shitty racist stereotype. And I hate it. Um, Do better. 95 was a different time. Doesn't mean it's okay. Doesn't mean, yeah. So that was my first real cringe of like, no, is this what's going to be coming for the rest of the movie? The elevator stops. They get off right in time. It goes barreling down the shaft. So again, another reason the machine should be destroyed. Right. So the elevator falls down the shaft. The, the cable breaks, it falls. They stumble into what I'm calling the hard boys room with all the super soldier <laughs> power armor suits. It basically looks like Terminator style situation is going on here it's so busted down and basic Mm -hmm. it looks like nfl blitz mixed with nemesis (laughs) it really was uh reminding me a little bit of the resident evil lab scenes yeah i'm with you that horrible and that first one the underground yeah. yeah yeah yes the scene from terminator i want to say it's terminator salvation but i don't remember because it's where they have the CGI de-aged Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they're in the room where they make all the Terminators, and okay. he comes out. 
but that's just what was in my head. In this room, we see what are referred to as children frozen in like cryogenic chambers. Yeah. They're they're cryogenic chambers. But then they totally disregard that and start talking about how they take missing in action war veterans who were injured, erase their minds, and then fill their minds with violence and knowledge about weaponry. But they make it so they have no emotion or empathy or voice control. Fear. Yeah, no voice control. We'll find out. Listen, we'll get there. Okay. So from here, first of all, we never hear about the children again, which I'm assuming is a storyline that was cut because they were yelling baby killer at the beginning. And then we see little children in cryogenic chambers. But they aren't even little children. They're like teenagers. Right. They're they're young people. Young adults, yeah. So then we start seeing video. They're, I don't know where they find it. They just autom- they just start watching a video mm-hmm. of them doing experiments with the hard boys. Um, <laughs> and Dante is in it. <laughs> Dante's very involved. Yep. He's pretty much the mastermind is what you're supposed yep. to take from this, I'm guessing. It's like a guy on a table in an operating room. And right. they go like... And he's convulsing. One, two, three, and- go. And it like clearly goes wrong and he starts screaming and convulsing and then dante's pissed that they're fucking it up and then then he comes and he's like i know what i did wrong turn off the camera yeah yeah Yeah. so this is how we're seeing that dante is more involved in the weaponry piece and that he's like the evil genius behind it i guess so they eject the old school floppy disk of that video from the computer and raimi keeps it who is the leader of the rebels. I actually don't remember seeing that. Maybe I was like looking down writing or something. Which, because it comes back up later. That Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. I was wondering where that came from. Yeah, that Um, actually, that plot point actually pays off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. (laughs) So randomly, they decide to call the police. For help. Yeah, they're going to call the cops. Why not an hour ago? Valid point. So they call a cop, Mm -hmm. um, first of all. This movie's acting is like pretty good. Yeah. It's not it's it's believable, it's good. Everybody's got yeah. a good range. They're emoting. It's not the acting that causes right. problems in this film. This police officer though, somebody's brother or something. He's horrible. I almost thought like someone won a contest to have a it, couple lines in a film. So bad. So first of all, he's yelling, there's a monster on the loose here. And he's twirling <laughs> a gun in the air, like, th- like, like waving his gun around. And then he's smashing a nightstick on the table in the space of about 10 seconds Yeah, is his little scene. He's obviously, he doesn't believe them. Yeah. He's like, we're not sending help. Right. So he doesn't believe them. They're not sending help. They're like, Oh, I guess we're on our own. <laughs> I wrote good job. Nine on one. Yeah. So then Dante pops on the screen mm-hmm. and he says, take a shot. Every time Dante pops on the screen. Great drinking game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, don't really do that. Yeah, it's not I don't, a good I don't game. advocate that. So he says something to the effect of, if you turn it off, I can still find you. And then he's like, oh, I mean, no, I mean, uh. so he's obviously given mm-hmm. something away. Yep. And we recall that earlier, there was a very quick reference to Kale having had a tracker implanted I in her arm. I didn't recall it because the rebels pointed out, and they're like, you got to cut the tracker out. And I was like, oh, she has a tracker. Yeah, it was in the boardroom when Rachel Weiss or Weiss or whatever, however you say her last name, mm-hmm. she says, oh, is that still itch? And then does her little oh, spiel okay. and then keeps walking. I think I was so stunned Rachel Weiss was in this movie that I didn't even hear what she said in that one line. Yeah. So he also reveals in that moment that the war beast, which she's, he's now calling the death machine, can track you by your fear pheromones. 
Right. So now from here on out, we're calling it a war beast, apparently. I don't know why it went from... He, he just has a different name for a yeah. robot for different parts of the movie. So they decide they have to cut out the transmitter in her mm-hmm. arm. And this is where we get another cringeworthy moment of our friend Yutani. Is that yeah. his name? Mm-hmm. Okay. He starts doing this like flippy dippy knife thing. And he's like... Wah! Like sound effects. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like it doesn't fit. It like it was nothing it's so set irrelevant this up. to any of the story. Um, nothing set up that he was all of a sudden going to be a ninja warrior is mm-hmm. basically what they're kind of putting him out there to be. And it was it just is really annoying to me. So during that conversation with Dante, he like was flashing these like pictures of the war beast, like this kind of montage, and he was faxing them something to which Ramey yeah. tells Dante as he shuts off the stream, <sighs> go fax yourself. And then he crumples up the fax. I exploded inside. Just such good writing. Like I said, the comebacks here yeah. are CSI Miami level on the nose. We, that's two episodes <clears throat> in a row you've referenced CSI level comebacks. Listen, I used to watch a lot of CSI back in the day. And when I ran out of CSI Las Vegas, I watched CSI Miami. All right. I'm not judging you. And then I watched CSI New York because I loved Gary Sinise. Okay. Lieutenant Dan. So then we get their idea. So I was excited because at first Kale's like, I'm getting into that power armor suit. I thought it was going to be so cool. Fuck yeah. She's going to walk around and blow some shit up. Right. Right. And so all I can think of is Fallout, the T90 armor, right? Oh yeah. It's power armor. Absolutely. Yeah. Because that's what I'm referring to it as. Mm -hmm. And I got excited because I thought she was going to go full hard boy. However... Ramey makes a very good point in which he says succinctly, you broke achievement records at Caltech. I delivered extra pepperoni. He's not wrong. She's the smart, capable person with all the access codes, knows how to hack the system. If they need any of that, getting into the suit wipes your brain. You save your personality on a floppy disk that they can reload back in. (laughs) So I actually agree with his point that she shouldn't be the one. However, I wanted her to be badass and kick ass in that suit. So I thought they were going to go a different direction Mm -hmm. if they put her in it. I thought it would have been more fun, but whatever. Stupid logic. How did he know that much about her? Yeah, that, well, I mean, I know, I assume they did their research when they were talking about their targets early on. So well, maybe he was very diligent. There was a throwaway line in there that he's like, I do my homework or something like that. Yeah. I'm assuming that there was more to that plot point. But again, we lose it in this cut. After that line, I wrote, I'm 100% in on Rebel Leader, but I still won't forgive his haircut. Yeah. I mean, it was the 90s. You didn't have that haircut. I had the bowl cut. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I can't talk shit. My brother had the vanilla ice hair with the shaved up the sides with the little designs in it. I'm just gonna let that sink in for a moment. Because um, <laughs> can you picture it? I now? can now, and it's glorious. <laughs> All right. So what I was gonna say is, this is where one of the tropes that we're gonna see through a lot of these movies come in that pisses me off. They know how to set up and install this armor and equip him in it and download his personality and all these things. So having never encountered it until this moment. Right. And then we get Yutani saying oh. something that is like one of those Confucius say type quotes about a dragon. Did you write it down? I did. So it all right. Was cringy as fuck. A couple notes before so they're getting into the equipment. They typed in a couple commands for what he was supposed to do when he becomes a robot, and that's defend them, kill War Beast. Mm-hmm. That's his only mission. So he's about to get in. They're about to sync him up. You know, Yutani looks at Raimi and goes, 
The arrogant dragon will learn to repent, my friend. And I wrote, fuck this 90s stereotype bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and to which Raimi responds, I'll be back. Yeah, I wrote, nope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was just, I think I might have tossed my notes at that point for a minute because, yeah, fuck all of that. So, whoever wrote this movie obviously loves this genre loves it mm-hmm. okay they love like the sci-fi thriller horror, oh, yeah. alien whatever so they're throwing awesome. they're peppering this movie with all their favorite things you can't take the most iconic quote from the terminator franchise and use it in a terminator like moment just came out at this point yeah i don't i don't remember what year it was but five or six years you could do before. homage that's straight up plagiarism oh it was pretty silly it was almost as cringy as the Asian stereotype that right. was happening. But it does redeem itself before. with a hilarious boot up sequence. Oh, so I wrote a far too long laser <laughs> sequence. Okay. I don't know. I could have used a couple more cuts to his zoomed in eyes. No. <laughs> so they're wiping his brain and it's just like lasers and 90s. And seizures. and It was very strange. And then he becomes RoboCop Mega Man. Yep. And he is clomping around making strange noises and yelling. <laughs> so they show him like leave and he looks around a couple of rooms and he's his volume level just screaming and he goes, this area is secure. At which point instantly behind him is the death machine watching him. So clearly not a secure area. He's a terrible super soldier. And so what we're learning from this is the death, the war beast, as we're going to call it now, doesn't sense fear in him. So it doesn't care. Yeah. So I said, this kind of reminded me of like the predator Arnold scene Mm -hmm. where he's in the mud. Right. And the predator can't kind of see it. Yes. What we're learning here is that when you become a hard boy, you have no volume control. You just None. yell in a monotone all the time. <laughs> and you stomp around going with your mouth. It's very weird. So here's where I had a major issue with their decision making in this movie. So they've sent out uh, Soldier, Hard- Soldier Hardboy out to you know fight the death machine. They wait like 10 seconds, at which point Utami goes, no more hiding. Let's go. Um, yeah. It only tracks you by your fear. You feel more comfortable now that you have your own weapons out to get it so you can relax and hide and be less fearful. It sounds like a good plan to me. I think they were trying to make Yutani into more of a badass, which was happening. He was becoming my favorite character yeah. at that point. And then he gets shot. Yeah, I wrote, Dante, <laughs> surprise attack. <laughs> Dante pops in, take your shots. Jump, he pops in the room, shoots Rebel 2, and then goes to Kale, I want to talk to you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I then wrote, this guy's terrible at flirting. He really is. I wrote, creepy nerd <laughs> sex talks. And then he oh. kicks the shit out of All right, of all right, hold on. So wherever they are, the secret lab, he takes her back to his original hideout. Oh, yeah, that's right. We should we should definitely. Which, dude, you shot the guys, talk to her there. Like, okay, whatever. He asks her for sex in the nerdiest hacker way possible. And I quote, I want parallel processing, two units interfacing simultaneously with a high degree of systemic capabilities, to which she goes, like, I need a chainsaw up my ass and knees him in the nuts. And I wrote, high five. She just tosses him like a little rag doll, which I was all for it. Oh, and then she knifes his hand to a desk. Yeah. And leaves. Um, Strong. But listen, you do you. When she stabs his hand, so she stabs his hand so that he stuck to the desk. He looks like he's coming in his pants. He's so excited. What a great performance by Durif right there. Like anger, pain, 
elation ecstasy ecstasy yeah like this is that screenshot was made this movie and i wrote i literally wrote in this moment uh epic night reaction hero of this movie all of a sudden um the rebel dude's not dead apparently because he shows up and's like i'm here to save you and she's like i took care of myself but thanks so but listen you didn't deliver it correctly so as she's walking out of the room saved herself after having saved herself the yutani pops up and he goes i came to save you like obviously limping with his gunshot wound and and his stabbed leg like johnny's having a day i was like oh i really like him now even though i hate the stereotype that they're they've written for him again wrote i like that she can save herself and she doesn't need any help right and then we find out here that hard boy is named Raimi, and i wrote oh yeah is everyone named after a director and they are so at this point, um, Kale also gave Utani explosives and said, let's complete your mission. And I wrote, clearly she's a bad CEO. I would not hire her after this. Her next career move is probably going to be lateral or downward because she is not protecting her corporation. They were trying to get rid of her anyway. Yeah. All right. So at this point, we see that the machine is coming and you see more of it. Utani and Kale are by themselves. Right. We see more of the machine than we've seen up until now. Before we've seen like its little feet, its little Edward Scissor Yeah, we get hands, full frontal in this scene. little face. Now we see most of it, if not all of it. Um, Mess. It is not scary at all. No. It is not even threatening looking. It just looks like a bunch of knives hot glued together. <laughs> it's, it's just silly. And at this point, outbusts our hard boy. And I'm pretty sure at this point I'm getting excited because I think we have a robo fight. But no, we don't. I kept making that note. I'm like, I'm ready for this fight anytime now. Yeah. So it takes a while. I love the rock. So when Hardboy shows up, he shoots a rocket and we get rocket first person view as it shoots to the death machine camera. And I love that. I'm, I'm all in with those like goofy camera shots. Boom. Death machine gets obliterated to the wall. The fifth time it should have been destroyed in this film. Right. Also, he's yelling in his funny monotone yelly robot <laughs> oh, yeah, voice. He is. And I couldn't stop laughing. So it sort of made the scene not. Oh, no, this scene was hilarious. It was really silly. So at this point, I first said after the robot shot, the the amount of damage to this building, like the people who come into the staff the next day are going to be like, what the fuck happened overnight to my company? Yutani's injured and Super Soldier Boy goes, must consider him defunct in his screaming voice. (laughs) And she's like, no, we can't leave. He's he's injured, not defunct. And I think by her arguing, his logic must short circuit because he goes, do you want a donut? (laughs) Oh, yeah. He starts glitching out hard. Starts glitching out hard. Um, and then he says, he whispers, like she gets close to his face, he whispers, it hurts. And it's like he's coming through a little yeah. bit. It was, yeah. <clears throat> and that was actually, I was like, oh. And then he's quickly back up on his feet, robot right. again. He goes, follow me and do not argue anyone. Yeah. So, so he agreed to take them both. I don't know. Right. It was hilarious. So, yeah, so they're, he's leading them to an exterior hoist so they can get down because they're on the 40-something floor. Mm-hmm. And he just yells, like, get on the hoist. And so, to me, it reminded me of get to the chopper. <laughs> get to the chopper. Except, obviously, not as emotive as, uh, you know, At this point Arnold. in the movie, I, I, my brain clearly has some free time. And I wrote, was Rachel White really only in one <laughs> for her get out that's like that's the level of like focus that i had at this point in the movie i'm enjoying it still but my brain was wandering so at this point i finally checked the time it was one hour 15 minutes and 43 seconds and i guess that means i'm 
enjoying it question mark yeah um i think at this point it had started to get like too long so i actually wrote they the movie slows down again yeah and i said this really is not right. a movie that can slow down a sec like you were building towards a climax mm-hmm. this movie wasn't strong isn't strong enough to slow down so then they start like fiddling around with stuff and i got In confused slow down. yeah like, what are what were they doing they were like no building clue. bombs or, i don't, I don't even no know no clue he was so, soldier is ordering him to do stuff like no, turn the he, valve so he kind of just is away from them and they're fiddling around with stuff i guess they're like i don't know booby traps i don't know what's happening the monster pops out and then we get i mentioned it earlier this is what we're building to oh this scene. Did you catch this? Oh, the Street Fighter 2 reference? He just did a Ryu Street Fighter 2. Mm-hmm. He um, goes, sure you can. And shoots him with what is nonstop Predator-style machine gun Gunnery, fire. yeah. Nothing's happening to that robot. No. So the, the Street Fighter thing made me laugh, but also was like, fuck you. All I could think of was, A, racist... I understand this was like Street Fighter's heyday. And it was funny. Like I caught it. I The reference was funny. I think it would have been better if they hadn't been trying to like set him up as this like stereotype of a character. So it would have been better to me. And this is the big time video game nerd I am. If he uppercutted it, because that's what a show you can was. Right. He, it's not a shoot a sh- machine gun sound. So for me, I thought it was stupid. Just because it was done wrong. Doesn't and he it was say racist. when he shoots the lightning ball too? I just did the hand movement. <laughs> when he shoots the the fireball. Yeah. Both. Yeah. 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 Anyways, I thought it was dumb and uh, racist. Uh, and reuse my favorite character in Street Fighter. So how about you don't ruin my favorite things? So now we get the robo fight because <laughs> actually were... right before the robo fight, we get one more pan back to the death machines view and like it had the game over earlier. It just says damage across its view. And I love it. I love uh, it. I'm all for that. I, think I, I love those that. shots. So the robo fight, the robo fight is just lots of punching, which is the only time in the movie, the robot punches. It's really, it has scissor fingers. And, Why would it punch? But And bear jaw mouth, like bear jaw mouth. <laughs> You know, bear trap jaw mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but it does. And I said the same thing. I'm like, why are you punching? That's not your, you're not designed for that. Right. But I also said, why doesn't he just rip the hydraulic cords? There are so many of um, them. Again, I'm sorry to beat the point, but this monster is very defeatable. I definitely wrote that somewhere. He just has a bunch of rubber tubes. Why are we not ripping them out? Yeah. Now... The hard boy starts glitching. Yutani starts going even more wild with the machine gun. I also said the death machine was fighting, moving really slow. It moved strikingly fast through the entire movie, except in this one-on-one fight. Right. Very bizarre. So then the most realistic moment of pretty much any movie I've ever seen, Raimi kicks the robot away Mm -hmm. to get so that they can get out this. Yeah, it gets stuck in some like hoses or something. Right. So Raimi and Kale get out. And then in the most realistic moment of any sci-fi movie ever, in my opinion, is Yutani is running toward the escape hatch, toward the door. He turns around, firing the machine gun, turns back around, smashes his head on a bar, just like like a random clutch. With a thing comical funk noise. Right, then falls on the ground. Oh my God. He basically knocks himself out. I laughed for 10 minutes straight. I would have laughed, except then he dies with the slow motion, stabbiest, most disappointing death. Oh yeah, it was a terrible death. I didn't even pay attention to that because I had paused the movie. I was dying in laughter I, as he Homer Simpson clunks his head 
on that bar. That shot was phenomenal. It was my favorite shot of the entire film, bar none. It was, you know what, to me, it wasn't even so much that it was funny. It was just like heartbreakingly real. Because jawingly unexpected. Right, right. Because I thought to myself, oh my God, that's literally what would probably happen in real life to an actual human being who's running away from a monster. You're running, shooting behind you with a gun, turn around, smash your face on something. That's what would happen. Not Earl style, flailing your arms and shooting (laughs) everything in the face. I was just glad he didn't sacrifice himself for them and that he died by mistake. So that death was terrible. Yeah. So listen, first of all, he was just beginning to become my favorite character. So it was extra disappointing to me. And then on top of it, there are so many opportunities for fun, stabby, bloody, messy deaths. And it just doesn't happen. In general, in this movie, the deaths were very disappointing. Well, they're awful. They're, they, you have oh. a giant stabbing monster. And you name your film Death Machine. And you call it the war beast and the psychotic death monster or whatever they called it earlier. And you just get like a light slashing. You give it Freddy Krueger hands. I need to see those Freddy Krueger hands dice up some people. Yeah. Like they just, they could, they did not pay off any of it. No. So this robot, the death war beast, whatever is very unwieldy. So they, they're outside mm-hmm. now on this lift or they're it's getting to the lift. pouring rain. It's pouring rain. It's just this like clumping, clonking. In, inside the building, it was super fast, super mm-hmm. accurate. Outside, it's like... Rah, 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 rah. Like it just is like clunking around. It doesn't even know what it's doing. It looks like a shitty transformer. So funny you mentioned that. So as they're out on the... Like getting to the hydraulic lift and thing, I noticed for the first time the music get kind of epic and kick in. I actually didn't notice that. And I was like, where have you been all movie music? Because I really didn't notice music in this film or sounds. I So it kind of, it like swelled a little bit and I was all for it, but I just Mm -hmm. thought it was weird that that was the first time. So here I just wrote more shooting, more falling, more falling and more falling. So to summarize that up in actual scene directions, Kale and Super Soldier are on the lift, machines up above it. She shoots the latch, the lift drops, the machine stays up at the top. So they're ricocheting 3,000 floors to the ground because that lift fell forever. Yeah, it just kept falling. It was like yeah. the scene where his brain was being wiped and it was taking way too long. This, mm-hmm. this, them falling in the lift was taking way too long. So they get to the bottom. She pulls the brake. On the side, it stops just in time. Right. Then our hard boy starts glitching out, and then she resets him. She Instantly. Puts his, she puts his little brain back in or whatever. And his, boom. His brain floppy disk back yeah. in, and he's fine. So Inst- uh, Again, instantly. So hold on. At the beginning of the movie, they set up that they all glitch out, yep. and then they die or whatever. So this guy's the exception. Or apparently. did they not know you could just put their discs in when they started glitching and they're fine again? I don't know. This is silly. Someone dropped a ball somewhere. It's either the writers or the researchers. Um, So at this point, I wrote, what the fuck happened to the robot? Don't worry about that yet. We're about to find out. Because the cops show up. Yeah. And he's very Correction. overzealous. The cop. The same cop. Right. The, the the one that was yelling and waving weapons around randomly. So before we explain what he does, this is the CEO of the corporation and a guy in super armor. We have to be clear, though. The CEO is wearing her pajamas. So he, he probably doesn't know that she's the CEO. This cop... To be fair, he doesn't give them a chance to know. No, he just gets out on. of the car and just starts yelling. And his voice is clearly not the actor's voice. It is dubbed yeah. so hard, and it does not match up to his mouth. And I want to know what the original audio sounded like. I am so confused <laughs> what was happening. Rami tries to say, we called you. Yeah. 
And then the cop shoots Kale in the shoots leg. Shoots Kale in the leg. like, bah, bah, bah. Yeah, basically. And then all of a sudden, we hear this. We see a couple metal pieces fall and right. hit the ground. Yeah. And we look the up. cop looks up and says, holy donuts. Oh, so good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so bad. As you see, falling comically, the war beast right. landing on the cop. Right. And I wrote, that was silly. I wrote, great, there are 14 minutes left, how? Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I wrote, where is Dante? Isn't he top billed in this movie? Isn't Brad Dorf the top billing? There needs to be more of him. That's funny because literally the next note I have is, at this point, we haven't had a Dante scream jump in for far too long. Bring back Dorf. Right. He is the, the glue oh. holding this movie He's been together. out of it for like 30 minutes at this right. point, and I'm not and, okay with it. And the action has slowed considerably. So now we go through what I call the garage door sequence where Kale and Rami are running through these awkward, slow opening garage doors back so into hold the building. On. Right. How are they getting back into the building? I don't. Oh, they have like a scene where she's like, let's complete the mission. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, girl. And then they ha- all of a sudden. Call it a day with a death machine. Well, right. They have explosions. Well, she grabbed them from Durif's room back when oh, she not kicked right, them. Oh, that's right. That's right. She grabbed the thing okay. of explosives. I didn't write that yeah. down. So then she launches explosives at the war beast as it's coming behind them. How is this thing still functional? I don't know. It just okay. jumped off an 8,000 floor building. Right. And it just it has rubber hoses holding it together. So they're going through all these doors. And and then know. at one minute or one hour, 26 minutes and 26 seconds, because I figure we have to put like a timestamp on mm-hmm. here. They finally swipe into the containment room. Which a is a little welcome face core. on the computer screen. Right. Which is the core of the building, which is apparently where they hold all of their So as they're getting into that last one, she's thrown a grenade at the wall. Beast mm-hmm. because it's coming too hot. And ex- Hard Boy is still in his power armor. And she is still right next to him. And it explodes 20 feet from them. Right. Hard Boy gets taken down. She's yeah. fine and just right. walks into the court. Right. Listen, she's still in her sweatshirt or sweatpants and t shirt. The strongest armor known to man. Right. A lady casual. in her pajamas. Yeah. In her business, very casual, can yeah. get some shit done. Agreed. So the robot's still coming aggressively fast and looking very dumb. Yeah. And I don't know why, but at this point, I started getting a Pee-wee's Playhouse type vibe. <laughs> right? It was just a strange, inanimate object, like the couch yeah. that talks in, in Pee-wee's house. And it's just coming. It's just there, and it's coming at you. So she gets into the center core right behind her. And here's where we get the alien-esque Yes. Showdown. It's her versus the robot. We get a super close up of her face with her eyes closed. And I'm half expecting the robot's face to like lean Mini in. Mini robot with the drool. come out of its mouth. <laughs> right. She opens her eyes finally, and the robot's just sitting there inches from her face. Right. And then there's Dante with his wig in a severe need of a comb. Minimally. It just needs a comb. It's looking pretty. You look at me like I have anything to add constructive to to wig maintenance. And I don't. I'm not even going to try. So Dante is upset at her. And I love this line. He's like, why are you doing this? And she goes, the needs of the many are more important than the needs of a few. And he goes, that's a stupid reason. You're making me kill you for a stupid reason. That's not a stupid reason. No, it's not a stupid reason. So he is getting angry, and she just decides to get all close and huggy with him. Yeah. And says some creepy computer stuff at Quote, him. Quote, download it, Jack. You can interface with the motherboard. 
Yeah. And then he gets hard. Hold on. Before we go any further, I just want to say, as we're coming to the end of this, this film, whoever wrote this, I don't think you know how computers work. I don't think you know how computers parts work. As a son of a computer engineer, call me. I'll explain how computers work to you. Why? What should she have said? Don't fuck a computer. <laughs> you don't fuck the computer. You interface inter- with the mother. The, no, I'm not even. Stop it. You're going to make me even nerdier on this thing than I am. <laughs> don't fuck a computer is what she should have said. And then he gets hard boy punched. Oh, yeah, hard boy didn't die. Yeah. Yeah, he just got knocked out hard. So he not which knocks the kill switch out of his hand and fortunately caught instantly by Kale. So right. she can press it so that beast doesn't go crazy. Right. Um, and this is where we find out that they have that disc. Mm-hmm. I wrote, is that a tape of everything that happened? Because I missed the part where she yep. took the disc. So it's the Hard Boy experiment tape, right, which right, just right. is like the Hard Boy project. <laughs> right. I was like, you give that to a reporter and see if they uh, see where that goes. This got a little weird here, but I like it, but it got weird. Yeah. She gives him a bomb. Yeah. yeah. She takes the controller. They're not in Vault 10 anymore. Where are they? So he's in the physical oh, central, okay. central core. Okay. And so... All right, like so it's she, small. It's not a big room. Yeah, it's very small. So it's him, Dante, yep. his war beast, yep. Kale and Hardboy. Yep. Who've actually stepped out at this right. point. And they're looking at him through the door right. to the central core where he's still inside. Okay, so I'm trying to set this up for, for everyone. She leaves him with a bomb. Mm-hmm. And she has the controller to the beast. He'll switch. Right. Brad Dourif in this scene is so good. Like, really excellent. He has, like, desperation, fear, anger. Like, he's so good. And he mm-hmm. says, don't leave me here. Or you can't leave me here. But the way he says it, I got goosebumps. He's excellent in he's this so film. Good. Excellent. So then it shows the door closing. They lock him in with his creature, basically. Mm-hmm. Her finger comes off the switch, and then the credits roll. So we Yeah, you nothing. just look at the door. You see nothing. Right. My, in my brain, I think they're making a big assumption that he didn't program this thing not to kill him. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's obviously. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, did she sick it on him? Because I was under I the think she did, because her last line, because he's talking about, like, we could, do, we could destroy wonderful things. We could create mm-hmm. weapons and all things. And she goes... I'm not in that business anymore. And then instantly right. decides to kill him. So I'm like, uh, contradictory. Well, much. that's and that's why I got confused because I was thinking, is her removing her finger stopping? No, the it's beast? her mo- removing her finger is activating right. it. But that's yeah. that's why I got confused because her saying that line is counterintuitive to what her next. Yeah, you would is. think she would save him and then have him like arrested or or you know, face ramifications. Yeah. Leaving him in that room with the beast and the bomb is like take care of this yourself. Is what I thought. Mm-hmm. Just do the world a favor and get rid of both of you. Is yeah. is what I'm thinking. She's thinking right. Her her removing her finger from that switch and sticking the war beast on him removes his choice from the earlier moments in this film when he first releases it. There are other people in the office building when he's with Ridley. It only comes to get Ridley. So clearly he's programmed this thing. I don't think it would kill him. I don't think it's programmed to kill him. I understand her logic, but I don't think it would actually do it. Well, he looked afraid of it. So that's that was why weird, I'm, right? Yeah. So I'm fair. really curious. I'm sure it was meant to be ambiguous. I just don't know if that was the director's vision because mm-hmm. apparently there are four cuts of this and he was unhappy with all of them. Yeah. And even the one he released, that was his cut. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious to know if that was the ending for all four cuts, if there was something else, if there was anything else leading up to that. You know, be interesting. Because I think that that ending could have been cool. I think this film, again, I would like to see 
the original, and maybe it's just reading the original screenplay would be interesting, like the story they wanted to tell, because there's a lot of social justice for, you know, these children issues. Who are never really mentioned. Never mentioned. There's the ethical issues of how a corporation operates. Right. There's this issue of, can you redeem yourself? Um, And then there's the issue of, you know. So that was what I was thinking the director was trying to convey. Mm -hmm. But when you have a character that is so black and white as he is, it's too much of a leap to think he's going to make that change in the end. And I, I don't think it was so much about him changing. I think it was about do the right thing kind of thing. But maybe we're just reading way too much into we're it. We're reading way too much into it. But I don't think you look at a character like Dante, who the right thing clearly to him is murder and creating these robots and terrorizing these people at this company. Is he suddenly going to go? Oh, you're asking me to destroy this thing because you think it's right? Like it? Cl- I don't think it registers. Yeah, I think that they set him up to be. He's a violent person um, who is a psychopath who doesn't care who's mm-hmm. into like chaotic evil you know that's that's his character there's no selflessness it's all egocentric i think the reason why we are reading so much into it is because brad dorf brings so much nuance to a character that probably didn't have that much nuance on paper that it makes you like want to kind of understand more sam we've discussed this movie in depth do you I, like this movie i do like this movie yeah Listen, again, it's not like a cinematic masterpiece or anything. It had like a pretty good budget, had pretty good acting. Mm. The sets were good. Yeah, sets were good. The story was interesting. It was early 90s fun. Would you recommend someone watch this? Um, Yeah. If you're in the mood for weird, silly 90s thriller, because it's certainly not a horror movie, okay? No, no. I think that's the biggest thing that... I love this movie. You'll hear me say that frequently. Um, <laughs> what bummed me out, though, was the, the cover art, the title, Death Machine. I kept waiting. I thought this was going to be a great horror sci-fi mix, and it just it didn't have the slasher slashing murder of Hardwire. Yeah, I no? thought it was going to be much more gruesome. Mm-hmm. It definitely hit all of the 90s oh, so well. um, tropes yeah. real hard. Toward toward the end there, I was getting um, the Super Mario Brothers movie vibes, <laughs> which I also adore. Oh, I absolutely okay. adore the Super Mario Brothers movie. My best friend terrified me as a kid. Really? Bowser terrified me. Yeah. Really? Little old Dennis Hopper? Yeah. I always love that movie. And me and my best friend, Forever Martin, are both big, huge fans. And one year he gave me the DVD. I have it around here somewhere. Because it was just, it's it turned silly. Yeah. It was already a little campy. Mm-hmm. Let's say campy. Campy is a good word. However, it was much darker in tone mm-hmm. and a little bit, I keep saying the word sinister, but I guess that's the only thing that I can really, that's the only word that fits mm-hmm. to me. And as the movie went along, it got more campy and silly. And again, I want to know what the original vision was here, but I will never know probably. So I'm just gonna have to live with it. And I definitely enjoyed it. It was definitely silly fun. I don't know many people who would want to watch this, unfortunately. I know there are plenty out there. You bring up an interesting point, um, just so I want to touch on is how a lot of these, especially now over the last 15 years, we've seen these B-style movies get pumped out, not taking themselves seriously. Mm-hmm. And they're just 
it's hard to enjoy some of them when they're they're so bad. They're not they're not oh, even God. so bad. They're good. Right. But I think really, a I don't think this is a bad movie by any means. It's not a good movie, but it's not bad. But it walks the line of campy, not taking itself too seriously. But it has enough of that, like you said, sinister, slightly malicious characters. This feeling about it that lets you enjoy it because it's not just laughing at itself, or it's right. not just like it's not llama apocalypse, you know, which I watched a trailer of and I kind of want to do in a couple of weeks. But it's not just a joke; it's not trying to be a joke, even though it's being campy. Right? There's a very big difference. Mm-hmm. I love camp. Love camp. Give me campy movies all day long. Absolutely, and I'll be totally happy. This falls in that category. Thoroughly enjoyable. I know I like this movie better than any that we've done so far. That's Probably. the whole point of this. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I you enjoyed this movie that I I love. Um, well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, if you have thoughts, feedback, fan art of intimidating an airplane, <laughs> please. No, it was send. intimidating airplane. So the airplane itself is intimidating, is what I thought you were saying. Yeah. Okay. If you have fan art of intimidating <laughs> airplanes. You can send all of those things to us at do I like this podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Instagram at do I like this podcast. One word. One word. We'll see you next week. See you next week. I'm Aru, waving. Aru, 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 ah! <laughs> so bad. So good.